hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, after coming out of a rather fun uh, month, I think we we had. I just want to take a moment to just say I think we had some great holiday movies this year. Me too. <laughs> it, it was a blast. they were fun. Yeah, and we finally got to do Scrooged. You know, which is like, I mean, I feel like we could end this podcast now and you'd be a happy man. I would, <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to. No, no. We're starting a new year, a new fresh year, uh, and the end is not in sight as far as we're concerned. Here we are at New Year's time looking for a film that has a New Year's theme, and I think eventually we'll run out of these much, much quicker than the other holidays we try to theme. This movie that we're doing this week has actually been on my list for a while now. It comes up every time we're looking for a New Year's movie, and uh, we always seem to pass over it. This time, Craig gave me the option of choosing the film, since he has chosen the last two or three. And uh, I, for better or for worse, picked 1982's Ghost Keeper, a Canadian film. And uh, it was actually shot as a tax shelter, which a lot of movies were apparently um, back in those days. There were a lot of rich people in the oil industry up there, and they were looking for ways to basically, you know, save on taxes and and, um, creatively spend their money. And it was very common at that time for them to use movies as a tax shelter. If the movie didn't make money, they could just write it off. This was um, a pretty big boom for the Canadian uh, film department, and a lot of these horror movies around this time actually were filmed in Canada. But most of them are made to look like, you know, summer camps and American settings. Um, you know, Toronto's supposed to double for New York, that kind of thing. This is one of the first movies we've reviewed, I think, that's a Canadian film that actually unabashedly seems to take place in Canada. It's basically almost like The Shining, but up in the mountains of Canada in a much smaller lodge and a much crappier film (laughs) (laughs) Yep. yeah you texted me you said uh i don't even know why i let you pick movies anymore (laughs) so i know what kind of conversation we're going to get into here about this before we even begin (laughs) but um anyway this this movie like i said has been on my radar for a while just because i've run across it in lists of films that take place in New Year's time, mostly because I think there's so few of them that it ends up on all these lists. And the reviews are pretty mixed about it. It's one of those things that has been fairly obscure for a while because it had a very, very short run in theaters. It was not successful, but has, over the years, apparently gained a bit of a cult following. So that's what they claim anyway, and there is a Blu-ray release that has been out, and I think that's the transfer that we watched. So anyway, it was my first time seeing it, of course. Craig, uh, how about you? Had you even heard of this one before? Except for me talking about it every year. (laughs) I don't even remember that, no. (laughs) Yeah, you completely dismissed it every single time. (laughs) I don't expect you to remember, (laughs) you asshole. Yeah, no, I I don't remember. I'd never heard of it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, it's a movie that you recommended. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here's how Todd sold this movie to me. Okay. I'm going to 
do it like text. Todd. Oh my god. Here's the movie I want to do. Me. Okay, that's cool. You know, I've picked the last couple, whatever. Todd. Cool. Todd. To be fair, there is a New Year's movie about a bunch of hot gay guys, but let's do this instead. Me. Okay. (laughs) 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 Then, me, watching this movie. We could have watched a movie about a bunch of hot gay guys, so we watched this instead? (laughs) Like, seriously? (laughs) I'm sure there are no shortage of films of hot gay guys that you have. (laughs) I just have this feeling. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to get too deep into true confession, Todd. Yeah, no, yeah, it takes place in Canada. Have you ever been to Canada, Todd? Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you about my trips to Canada. Uh, back in 1983, we went to Toronto. Uh, it was fun. I was a kid. We didn't go to the mountains. It wasn't snowing at the time. Uh, back when we lived in Michigan, we went to Canada a while back. Uh, what was that? Oh, saw Sharon, Lois, and Bram in concert by accident Ooh. in an amusement park. Do you remember that? The Elephant Show? That was a great Canadian production. Do you remember oh, the... Gosh. No, I don't remember. I mean, the name sounds really familiar. Maybe that was just a Michigan thing or kind of a regional deal because we got a lot of Canadian TV, but it was a... Oh, no, the name sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, I uh, when I was a little tiny kid, um, my parents took me to Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah, I've been and, there, too. And, and that's the only time I've ever been in Canada because I think that sits right there on the border. Um, and uh, my mom... <laughs> tells the story that like I was teeny she was pregnant with my sister so I was like two three years old and uh, she tells the story that by the end of the trip my wrist was bruised because she was holding onto it so tight because I have no idea what Niagara Falls is like now I can't believe we're talking about this <laughs> This it, it says something about the movie um, but she said that uh at the time at Niagara Falls, like there were just like le- like little tiny rails like mm. that separated you from the falls, and she was just mortified that I was gonna go over. So my wrist was my my wrist was bruised from her holding it, and the only reason that I ask is because I can't imagine what we're gonna have to say about this movie, <laughs> dude. It was so bad. Um, okay, you like, know what though? No, wait, 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 wait. Bad isn't me, the word. Me... All right, go on, go on. <laughs> you got another bad. Niagara Falls story? Go on, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you know, one of my favorite things about doing this is you know reading like behind the scenes stuff, and and there's nothing about this in the IMDb trivia. There are only like two items, and one of them is that halfway through the movie. They ran out of money, so they were just like, F*** it. And they just threw out the script and just, like, winged it. And you can totally tell. Like, it's a, I, I feel... Okay, so the very first thing you see in the movie is this text on the screen that says... In the Indian legends of North America, there exists a creature called Wendigo, a ghost who lives on human flesh. Very so, promising. Like, you, Very promising beginning. Right, right. Yeah. And so you think that's what the movie's going to be about, and it's not at all. <laughs> like, there's like a, there's like this gross, creepy guy locked up in a room somewhere that I guess is supposed to be the Wendigo, mm. but 
he's just locked up in that room the whole time. Like nothing ever happens. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's true. Uh, it... Maybe, you know, I managed to do a little bit more digging and I found an interview with the director, uh, the writer, writer director of this, actually. Uh, his name is... Uh... Jim Makachuk. Yeah, yeah. He started out in L.A., I think, then moved to Canada to take advantage of all these productions that were going on with for these tax shelters and had written a bunch of stuff and ended up, you know, getting, he said, like about $100,000 from six different people um, to go out and shoot this movie. And then the producer somehow at one point came up and said, you know, I don't know if people backed out or what happened, but uh, they suddenly just didn't have any money anymore and they could just scrap the whole thing. And probably still write it off. I mean, it probably would have been just fine with all these people. But he said, no, we made the decision to go just to plow through it. So he literally threw out the script and he said, we just kept shooting and I was just making up scenes as we went along. (laughs) I guess just to run out the film and get these actors paid and, you know, uh, finish out their contracts and whatnot. And you're right. It does show However, I would argue that if you didn't know that, and I didn't know it going in, I only knew that after the fact, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, then you, you, I feel you could have cut out some of those scenes with that creature and still made a movie that probably still wouldn't have been scary or wouldn't have really worked, but still would have been interesting. I found the movie as it is, and this is how we have to review it, right? As it is. Right. All right. The plot and everything was bad. Ugh. But the cinematography was compelling. The editing was interesting. The acting, except for like a couple people, was actually pretty good for what it was, which was a lot of people kind of staring off into space and staring at each other, mm-hmm. wandering around the rooms pensively. You know, there's a lot of shots of just long shots of nothing happening, right? Just people wandering around or driving through the snow and stuff like that. It's clearly like stretching for time almost more than anything. But trying to build atmosphere. And part of what keeps it going, I think, man, if there hadn't been a score underneath it, the whole thing, I don't think there's a second that goes by in this movie without this score underneath it. And it's not bad. It's creepy and atmospheric, I could say ethereal. That worked for me. That part worked for me. I didn't mind it. I mean, it was very typical of the time. And and it almost felt like made for TV. Mm, I don't know. A little bit. I don't know. I don't know how to describe But you're right. It was all the time and it was Actually, I read that it was reused uh, for like prom night or something. Well, yeah, something like that. Because Paul Zaza, the guy who wrote the score, he's composed like ninety-five. You know, he has ninety-five credits on there. He was uh, he composed a lot of stuff for Bob Clark, uh, a lot of his movies, including Black Christmas, Murder by Decree. I, I was I was constantly getting little shades of Black Christmas in this movie. I have to say. And it turns out that the editor on this movie also edited almost all of Bob Clark's earlier films black christmas uh, murder by decree which kind of makes sense i feel like they're just some call outs straight away to black christmas in some of this it's uh, definitely got that vibe like that mid to late 70s vibe and that's fine and like you you said the cinematography is compelling like i mean it was all right i i think a lot of that just had to do with the fact that the outdoor shots were just 
pretty. Like, you know, it's a snowy landscape. It's mountainous and foresty and, you know, that's that's nice. Um, (laughs) As far as the interiors, it's lots of shots down long hallways and, you know, shots in, like, hotel lobbies. I thought of The Shining 2 just because, you know, it's a resort in the mountains at wintertime. So, yeah, it reminded me of that. We watched another New Year's movie. I have no idea. I think it was New Year's where a bunch of people went to a lodge and it ended up being haunted. And Mm. do you remember that? Yeah. I have no idea what it was. (laughs) (laughs) But it reminded me of that. It, it, It does kind of have the feel of like those 70s kind of slashers and I feel like they were going for something unique and it just didn't pan out like like you said the the whole idea of the Wendigo that guy they could have cut all those scenes and it would have made absolutely no difference because that really barely plays into the plot at all I mean I guess in the finished product it serves as the motivation for why people are getting killed. Like, they have to... People, like, one person gets killed in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Or two, maybe, I don't know. Like, like they're feeding this thing in the cellar. Like, it's like in, like, an ice cellar or something. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, but, but that's why people... Cellar <laughs> made of ice. Yeah, made of ice. Like, ice <laughs> bricks. <laughs> So that's why people have to get killed so this thing can eat or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it was a good, it was a decent idea. And you said the acting isn't bad, and you're right. It's fine. And there are only what like seven people in the whole movie, and it's okay. And it reminds you very much of seventies films. There's a blonde in the movie named Chrissy who I wish had been played by Linnea Quigley because Mm. she was the (laughs) Linnea Quigley role. Yeah. There's a lead couple Marty and Jenny and they're not bad actors but they're both assholes and so like I didn't (laughs) Marty more so than Jenny I guess. Marty's a total dick. I (laughs) Let's just let's just do this. Let's get into it. Well, it's not going <laughs> to take There's not long. much to tell. I know nothing happens. I think we can breeze <laughs> breeze through it, right? Like uh, they they just spend a whole hell of a lot of time, probably a good first 15 minutes of the movie just uh, on their skidoos or their yeah, their skidoos skiing. Snowmobiles, yeah. Yeah, through the snow in these beautiful surroundings, but it's like, man, that camera let lingers on that scene till they have moved from one side of the screen all the way to the other uh-huh. <laughs> in every single circumstance. And it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty to look at. that. Those exterior shots would look great on the big screen. But there, there are things about the movie that just, yes, I agree with all of that. Uh, it bothered me that Chrissy rode her snowmobile sitting on her knees. Like, who mm. does that? Like, I don't understand I don't know. Maybe that. people do that. Maybe it's like a thing, like if you're extra sporty, it's part of the challenge or I, something. I, I've never ridden a snowmobile, so what the... What yeah, do what I do know? you know? Um, Come on. Hey, you, you've barely <laughs> been to Canada. Come on. I'm clearly the expert in this area. <laughs> it starts out with Marty and Jenny at this mountain store. And, like, I... It's 
it's the same thing you see it in all of these horror movies they're in this mountain store with this you know shopkeeper who seemed kind of familiar to me but I looked at his stuff and I didn't recognize anything that he was in he's just the typical grandfatherly old man whatever and Chrissy ends up joining them and she's like it's so boring back at the lodge some people are getting ready for the party tonight you best stay with the roses these mountains can be tricky we can uh handle ourselves mountains can fool you they're dangerous how can mountains be dangerous they're so beautiful look gramps uh we're not going to get lost there are worse things out there than getting lost you know it's the typical warning from the gas station guy like oh whatever you do don't go over there (laughs) of course that's exactly what they (laughs) do do. yeah exactly And they find, yeah, they're on their snowmobiles and they find an, an old road that's like private property stay out. And they're like, oh, let's go check this out. Except for Jenny, who's like, I'm not sure if we should go. What, well, what's wrong with that? Marty's like, it's just like, well, it's just the sign that says private property do not enter. <laughs> uh, they're uh. like, oh, nobody's been up here for years i'm sure it's fine yeah and so they they do go up there and then they find a pristine mountain lodge yes yes (laughs) the deer lodge and they're like what is this (laughs) and chrissy's snow chrissy crashes her snowmobile and then it's broken and like it's snowing really heavily I did appreciate, like, that they had to climb a snowbank mm. to get in. Like, I assume they filmed it on location. It yes. looked like real snow, and they yep. really, like, had to struggle to get up there. Um, but then they get up there, and, like, it's an abandoned ski lodge, but you would have thought that it had been abandoned yesterday. Yes. Like, yeah. everything's up and running and clean and warm <laughs> it's crazy it's, well it is like you said a little bit and this is probably what you were talking about a little bit of shades of bloody new year right that was the one you were thinking of where yeah yeah they yeah come exactly. across that lodge and part of the mystery is like why is this is everything so crisp and clean even though it hasn't been here but here it's only been like five years right they look yeah. at the register and marty's like oh the last person here checked in five years ago and they're like well why is it still warm who turns on the furnace so that's a little somebody creepy. Somebody must be here. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing. They know that somebody has to be there, but they're not particularly concerned about it. Like, mm. they just make themselves comfortable. Yeah. And they wander Everybody around Everybody goes forever. looking around. Right. Yeah. And, and then there's a creepy scene. And I thought this was, you know, again, something that had promise but didn't end up panning out. Jenny goes up and she sees a room that has a coat hanger hooked over the door so that the door remains open. Like, it can't be shut because the coat hanger's in the way, and the door is, like, you know, kind of banging. It's, like, clear that there's, like, the windows open or something on the other side, and it's pretty creepy. And she goes in, and when she goes into that room, sure enough, the window is open, and she goes to close it, and then there's a quick insert cut of, like, these this crazy eye with this scraggly hair over it, like, looking at her from somewhere. We're not and, sure. And whispering her name. Yeah. Like, that was weird. And I thought, oh, God, this is freaky. And it... Exactly like Black Christmas, right? It's it was the same eye shot, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. you get at the end of that. You know, even with the gut, with the person kind of, ah, we had all whispering over it and things like that. But then she leaves the room, and then they go downstairs, and they have a fire, 
And my God, this fireside scene. Oh, it's painful. Oh. And like Marty sings a song. Yeah. Like, like a, like a, <laughs> it's not like he sings the whole thing, but it goes on for too long. And plus, it's a familiar tune. Yeah. You know, like, well, it was it's a, familiar. It was a take on the Frito Bandito song, is what it was supposed <laughs> to be. That, see, and that's the only version of it that I know, and I didn't know if that was a spoof or if this was a was spoof. It? <laughs> the, the way that he sings it... I steal them and rob them and rape them and screw them and then I peace out the window. The girls are just like, <laughs> like oh, so funny. ew, he's <laughs> gross. Well, and he also sick. He sings it super slow, right? Like it's like it's like the director was like, "All right, we've got to burn a lot of film here." Normally, the song is at one twenty uh, beats per minute. Can you can you knock it down to maybe I don't know eighty? And it's so painful. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere, <laughs> Chrissy decides to tell them a long story about how she. When she prostituted was... herself out to a teacher at 16 for $40. Like, I swear, <laughs> this ha- there's no context for this at all. No. Like, she's just like, hey, did you ever want to tell somebody something that you never thought you'd tell? And they're like, no. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, I will. <laughs> she's like, and then when she's roundabout done... when I was 16, I really got the urge to sell my body. Like, what? <laughs> And then once she's done with this story, she says, I don't know what made me tell you that. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, me neither. I have no idea. <laughs> know, right? <laughs> that was not a good story. Like, no. I wouldn't tell it again if I were you. No. <laughs> you must keep that to yourself. <laughs> but what is I that? think she was trying to be sexy. Like, yeah. I think, like, yeah. throughout this whole, like, throughout the whole thing, it's so dumb. Like, it's the, you know, these, this first half hour, like, Jenny and Marty are a couple, apparently, but obviously Chrissy is kind of flirting with Marty and he's totally into it. And then there's a scene at some point. Okay. This scene comes later because another character pops up, but this, this scene comes later where Jenny is like, do you want to sleep with her? And he's like, uh, I don't know. I can do whatever I want, right? Like, <laughs> I, I gotta live my life. You gotta live your life. Like, <laughs> that's the deal, right? Why are you such a bitch? Like, <laughs> that's ex- almost exactly word for word what he says. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Clearly, he wants an open relationship, and they have not talked about this yet. <laughs> oh God, it's so weird. Yeah. Well, Whatever. the the girls are staring, like you said, they're staring at each other. She's Jenny's staring at Marty and staring at this girl there's a lot of staring and these looks being thrown back and forth and again up to this point i'm thinking something interesting is building it's a little slow about it and some of it's kind of stupid but there is some tension here there's a bit of an atmosphere and a bit of a mystery and we've seen somebody with a crazy eye whispering one of the characters names and the director said that they did shoot this in sequence just out of coincidence. So when the money ran out, it's the stuff in the later part of the movie that, you know, was just thrown in. All of this stuff 
was pretty much as written, you know, the first half of the movie. So for for better that's the for thing that like I feel like they had a story in mind, like they, they were did. building something, but then they just abandoned it, like yeah. for you know whether it was financial reasons or they just wanted to wrap it up. I don't know. Like it felt like they were building something. Like after their little fireside chat, Marty goes to look for more wine and he gets attacked by somebody and screams, and so the girls run in, and it ends up being this old lady. And I have to say that if there's, if I'm going to say anything positive about this movie, which is hard for me to do, <laughs> I found this actress compelling. Yeah. Like, she was interesting, and I kind of wished that, I mean, she has a lot to do, I suppose. I just feel like in a better movie, she could have been really compelling. She was interesting looking. Her acting was interesting. Mm-hmm. She was apparently a very well-known stage actress in Alberta at the time. Maybe one of the most accomplished of the actors in this whole movie. The, the, the rest of them pretty much didn't go on to do much of anything else, except for the Jenny character. She went on to do a few more movies and, and some TV, but that was about it. She had a look. I thought the Jenny character had a look that was super familiar, but I just think it's because most of the brunettes from the 70s in these movies all had the same hairstyle and the same makeup. It was, and, you know. she, well, yeah, she looked very 80s nighttime soap. Like yeah, yeah. Dallas or Knott's Landing. Like, that's mm. what she looked like. <laughs> yeah, good point. From the soap guy. Yeah, you can pinpoint that better than <laughs> But she was pretty, and, like, I wanted to like her, but she was just, I don't know, she was weird and annoying, too, and, and Marty was such a dick to her, and she's always like, yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> I am a bitch. Sorry. Go ahead and go f*** that other girl. <laughs> yeah. Not a problem. Well, like... <laughs> It might be this scene, it might be later, but she keeps bringing up, or he keeps needling her about her being crazy, and she's like, don't say that, you know that hurts me, That's and and he's like, why, are you worried that you're going to turn into your mother? There's this implication throughout that her mother is crazy, and so yep. she's worried that she's going to be crazy like her mother, and we've seen that before in other films too, right? That's, True, but it's so frustrating because it really amounts to nothing, nothing. like... Yeah. It, it could have been something interesting, and it feels in the movie like they're exploring that. Like, is she really hearing voices whispering her name? Is she somehow connected to this place? Because it seems like the old lady who really is she doesn't explain anything she's just totally evasive like they ask her questions and she just kind of skirts around it yeah and they're just like okay well i guess you're here so whatever it seems like immediately she feels some connection to jenny or Mm. she knows something about jenny and it seems like in concept there was something that made Jenny special and like maybe she was drawn to this place or they knew she was coming or or something but it never really plays out like if you want to try to kind of piece things together in your mind you can maybe think of a better movie (laughs) well right like (laughs) but she's there's something about her yeah she's a special kind of person and this lady recognizes it well she flat out says it but it doesn't but it doesn't play it 
Well, Chrissy gets up and goes to the bathroom. Something happens, and then later Jenny goes looking for Chrissy, and she runs into the old lady. Uh, you know, there's a lot of this people wander around pretty Flour much all King, night long, yeah. yeah, with their candles in the hallway. You know you're an okay one. You're tough inside. What do you mean? You gotta be tough to handle this job. You gotta be ready every minute, and I'm getting too old for it. For what? And the implication is maybe she takes care of the hotel, but it's said in such a sinister way that you know there's more to it than that, or that's not even what she actually does. So instantly there's this, you know, I mean, this is total foreshadowing, right? Right. That something's going to happen, like, whatever she does, she's looking for a replacement. <laughs> right, a right. But that part of the movie seems to have been excised, so... <laughs> And not entirely like it's there, but it's so, I mean, just hanging on by a thread. Like, it's inconsequential. Yeah. So it kind of makes, it, it, it's also very much like burnt offerings, right? Mm, like, yes. We need a new person to take care of this place or to feed, in, in that case, to feed the house. But in this case, to feed the ice <laughs> monster. I don't know. The, the dude in a coat. Uh, with, with, with a the... little bit of makeup on that kind of makes him look a little bit gross, but there's no indication. Like, if he's supposed to be a Wendigo... First of all, that also bothered me, because we've done movies that dealt with Wendigos before, and I've never heard them described as a ghost that lives on human flesh. Mm. I don't know. I didn't do any research, so I don't know what <laughs> the Wendigo is supposed to be. But it's a Native American myth, or I guess in this case, Native Canadian. I think it's supposed to be a ghost that wakes up when somebody consumes human flesh. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when cannibalism happens, it awakens this ghost, and it's basically, I guess, like... You know everybody's punishment for the fact that this that this happened. So uh, I'm playing a game called Un- Until Dawn on the PS4 right now that that deals with this directly, and it's actually pretty fun. Way way more fun than this movie. Was it was it Bone Tomahawk? Was that the Bone Tomahawk was one of them because it dealt with a whole tribe. But then the one that was really good, I I loved, was Ravenous. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And and there's talk of Wendigo in uh, Pet Cemetery too. I don't even remember That's if true. it was in yeah. the movie. I just remember it from the book. But whatever. The old lady says that she's lived there all her life. And they're like, well, it must be tough being all alone. And she's like, no one's ever alone in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask her what she means. And she's like, well, my boy's here in the mountains. And he keeps me company. Okay, uh, meanwhile, the whole time that she's telling this story, she's eating a sandwich. Where did she get lettuce? I to know. Put on her sandwich? That was bothering me so much. <laughs> but also, the sandwich looked so good. I turned to my wife, who was not watching this with me, and I was like, I could really go for a BLT right now. Is there any way we could scrounge up enough lettuce for a BLT? <laughs> These were the things I was thinking about during this movie. That tells you how entertaining it was. Like, wait a minute. They're in this abandoned resort in the middle of the Canadian wilderness, but she has fresh, crispy lettuce yeah. for her sandwich. <laughs> and, you know, she could have made them a sandwich, too. I mean, come on. They're standing right there staring at her, watching her eat this sandwich. Oh, what a shame. God. 
So anyway, uh, so she's been creeping around, and um, Chrissy, Chrissy goes off to take a bath. And I thought for sure, okay, well, here's, we get our topless moments and things like that. And this is where they creatively shot around actual nudity, which um, uh-huh. was surprising for a movie like this. It's also surprising that this movie is rated R. Yeah, why? There's no nudity. There's very little graphic violence. I mean, there's definitely suggested violence, but very it's not graphic at all. I mean, I have no idea why it's rated R. It's weird. It was a different time, Craig. It was a different yeah, time. I guess. And so she uh, goes into her tub, and I thought this sequence was quite good. You know, we've heard about her son, and so now there's this other character, the legs and whatnot, walking through the hallway, creeping towards her as she's getting into her bath and li- sitting in her bath. And, of course, because it's a horror movie, when you take a bath, you have to light, like, five candles mm-hmm. and have them sitting somewhere in the bathroom. So, you know, he blows his candle out, and he, he opens the door behind her, and that blows the candle flames back and forth a little bit. A little breeze comes into the room, but she barely notices it, and then... He kind of closes the door, and she turns around and doesn't see him there. And then suddenly he's standing over her, and he grabs her and takes her out. And I thought that was a bit of a shocking thing. I mean, projected from a mile away, but uh, nonetheless, you know, okay, we got our first, I thought, kill, because he pushes her down under the water. I thought so, too. And then Jenny gets up and wanders in there and doesn't see Chrissy and runs into the old woman. And then Marty gets up looking for Chrissy and she's not there. And then they seem fairly unconcerned for most of the rest of the film that Chrissy is just up and vanished. They kind of act like they care for a second. Like they get up the next morning. Um, was the old lady smoking weed through the whole movie? I thought it so. looked like it. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Every- it, it probably was just supposed to be hand-rolled cigarettes, but it definitely, I don't know. It mm. looked like a dupe to me. And while her son, presumably, I guess, is killing Chrissy, or so we think, like just like you, I thought that he drowned her but we see just minutes later him carrying her down to the ice base lair <laughs> the yeah. ice house and and he slits her throat that's probably the most graphic part is yeah. when he slits her throat and and she bleeds and he throws her into this um whatever it is this it, i mean it just looks like a guy that they yes, i mean that's the problem when the the dis Figurement that he has could just be frostbite. Like, yeah. it doesn't look like much of anything. And that's what I thought when you said this scene was kind of compelling. I guess because it's one of the only action scenes that we get. But I'm like, if you have a castle freak, just like use the castle freak. Mm. You don't need some rando guy who we don't know. And who looks totally normal. I'm just like, you know, good-looking mountain man kind of guy. Yeah. To just show up and kind of drown this girl and then throw her in her room. And then he shows up later to chase Jenny around for a while. But that's it. Like, there's no characterization. Yeah. They're lackeys for this thing, I guess. Or they're supposed to be protectors. And I think that's the where the title Ghost Keeper comes from. If this guy in a coat in the basement is the ghost then you know this mother is the ghost keeper and uh right. if there's some mythology behind it we don't really get it but uh the actually the director in the interview said that that was when they ran out of the money like they ran out of the money and the producer said you have one day with your monster you have a monster movie and you've got one day to shoot with the monster 
And so the, all they did was just put him in that room and shoot a whole bunch of different angles on him is, is all they had, all they could do. And then at that point, you know, like I said, he had to redo the entire ending, which there was intended to be a long chase scene, you know, face to face with the monster. All of this stuff was part of the ending. The monster was supposed to be a, is a, supposed to be a monster movie. And now it, it, there's not hardly any monster in it at all and and what monster there is like you said is super baffling (laughs) yeah well and i almost feel like it could have been interesting because the monster could have been sympathetic like Mm. i wanted to know more about him i wanted to because he doesn't even look monstrous like he looks scared and sad yeah (laughs) you're right you're right you're right so i wanted to know you know what what is his story yeah and if if as the movie projects from the very beginning that jenny is going to be his new caretaker it's almost like a beauty and the beast kind of situation like i thought it was going to be kind of Mm. a sympathetic deal but it's it's just thrown away just thrown away (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just abandoned, really, and that's a shame. Yeah, I would have also liked to have known if the monster, when he was 16, felt the need to sell his body or something like that. <laughs> it would have been nice to chat with not, the monster a little bit more. Not even felt the need, she just felt like Felt it. like it. Once, when I was 16, I had this uncontrollable urge to want to do it for money. You know, like being a hooker. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, so Jenny and Marty end up together and she apologizes to him for the fight that they oh, had God. where he was such a dick. God, what did he say? I wrote it down. He, he said to her, you live your life the way you want. Just remember who pays the bills. Dude, like, yeah. <laughs> you are such a dick. And she just laps it up. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then she apologizes to him later and's like, oh, sorry, I get that way. And then she's like... Maybe I'm going through some kind of stage or something. You know, I'm afraid of being crazy. I don't want to be like my mother. Which, again, is a moot point. Because yeah. <laughs> we get nothing about the backstory. And it's like she's super concerned about this, but we know nothing about it. They, like, t- they tell us outright way too many times. Like, she should not be the one saying this out loud. It should be delivered to us in another way. And uh, and like you said, it, it 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 means nothing ultimately. But once again, as we've said about a lot of things in this movie, they're setting up something kind of compelling. I mean, their relationship uh, of this guy who's kind of overbearing, and she just kind of takes it. You know, she's weak and whatever. However, this mother said that she's actually strong. She can tell that she's strong inside. You know, there's an interesting bit of tension or whatever going on here, but it's really not skillfully done. And I think that the Marty's acting has a lot to do with that, too. He does come across as a dick. He's written as a dick. But some of it's just a little over the top. Just something about his performance doesn't ring true to me. And so every time he was smirking and smiling and smugging and all over the place, I'm like, this isn't a real guy. This is a guy acting like a dick, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's super cocksure. Like, he's just... I don't know. It didn't bother me as far as the acting goes. He just and and to be fair, I you know because I say this about hot girls all the time. He's a good-looking guy yeah. and charming in some ways, I guess, but just a jerk. But 
if you were to watch this movie, which I do not recommend, but if you were, <laughs> you would see him and you would say, I've known guys like that. Like, Yeah, true. It may be fun to be around sometimes, but if you actually get to know him, really just a dick. Like, you don't want to be his friend. Kind of like you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The more time you spend with him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really like you. <laughs> yeah. Everything but my laugh, right? <laughs> no, you're one of my best friends. Oh. So tell me more about me, Craig. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. <laughs> no, we may as well. Oh, God, I don't know. So Jenny walks around and she hears the old woman talking to somebody. It's her son, but Jenny doesn't know that. But the old lady's like... You done good. It'll be fine. He needed us. I'm not mad at you or whatever. Okay, and so then it's morning, and Marty goes out, and I thought, oh, the snowmobile that was already broken still won't start. Surprise, surprise. But apparently, (laughs) one of the snowmobiles (laughs) is gone, Uh and Chrissy is gone, and the remaining snowmobile has been sabotaged. Like, one cord has been pulled out of it. And that was so funny to me, like, he opens up like the hood or whatever of this snowmobile and he sees that one cord has been disconnected and I wanted to be like, dude, just plug, plug it, it back, back in. in. <laughs> <laughs> Can you at least try that? <laughs> no, he just rips it out and throws it out into the snow. Like, Seriously, one side of this cord has been pulled out from somewhere. Look around, <laughs> see where it goes, plug it back in. Oh, God. So he goes in and he confronts the old woman. He's like, what the hell's going on here? Chrissy and her mobile are gone and somebody's fooled with my machine. And she plays dumb. And he goes... And she's cutting meat, too, which I thought, oh, what's, that's interesting. You know, it looks like this huge rack of ribs and whatnot. Yeah. There's this part of me. I don't know what it was. was like, was it, her, was it Chrissy? You know? Uh, well, and she's... Not. It could have been, I suppose. Because um, we did see... Just in shadow silhouette, presumably the sun chopping up something with an axe, Mm -hmm. which Marty later finds the bloody axe, but then he also blood drips on his hand and he looks up and it's a deer that's been slaughtered, which, you know, that's reasonable, whatever, I don't know. My impression was that they fed the girl to the castle freak, so whatever i don't know it's it's all just so hodgepodge it, but the old lady it, it, though she's a little bit short with marty sometimes she's always super nice to jenny and like anytime she's around jenny she smiles um and she gives jenny some tea you know what i think you don't even work for this place you've made it yours somehow but you don't work here you think what you want What's done's done. You can't change it. Last night I heard you talking to somebody else. We never see anybody else around. Where's Chrissy? Where's Chrissy? Where's Chrissy? And then she just walks out and goes and sits in the lobby, which looks very much like The Shining. Like, it's just these huge windows. Not... Excuse me, I should clarify that. It's not as big and luxurious, but in style, it kind of looks like it. Because there's just like a line of chairs sitting in front of these windows overlooking the winter landscape. And she sits in front of it, 
and her vision starts going wobbly. I assume the old lady drugged her with the tea? With the tea, yeah. Yeah. And then the old lady and the son enter behind her, and she briefly sees them, but then she passes out, and that we was see a good, Marty in the actually, shed. Great shots That right wasn't here, bad. Too. Yeah, it was really, really yeah. nice. Marty's in the shed. He's looking for things, and that's when he enc- encounters the deer. And then Jenny wakes up in a random room, uh, and mm. there's a book in front of her conveniently played indian legends of canada <laughs> as though this were a video game uh there is a book in front of her that she just opens up and you know to the bookmarked page and uh says something about a fle- legends tell of a flesh eating giant that's usually kept by a female mm-hmm. and she's like oh, kept by a female puts it all together in her head and there are newspaper clippings of like yeah missing explorer parties in the mountains or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah in in 30 seconds she kind of sort of puts it together as best you can from this non-story and and i'm thinking okay now she's got to break out of this room or whatever but no the next shot just shows her wandering around (laughs) the hallways and presumably the basement where they just left her and uh she I guess breaks the lock with her hands, or it's. Kind I didn't of get unlocked. that. Like there was a lock on it, but she just fiddles with it for a second and it opens. Like maybe the key is in the lock. I don't know because it takes <laughs> it her been. all of two seconds. It's it's a padlock yeah. on a door, and she literally just fingers it for a second and well, it, it's open. <laughs> just a second, like this is this Windigo or whatever, some you know uh-huh. beast of legend, or and they've got like a cheap-ass padlock on a dawn of this door right. in the basement. She opens the door, looks in. We see the same shot of him staring back at her, and she's like, oh, shit. And she just closes the door again. And then a uh, cha- sound of a chainsaw comes from behind. She starts getting chased by the sun with the chainsaw uh, down the hallway. And I'm like, cool, chainsaw chasing scene. This is interesting. And he chases her into the house and up the stairs. And suddenly, somewhere in the midst of this chase, he doesn't have the chainsaw anymore. It dies. When he's on the stairway, it dies. So he abandons it. Oh, what a shame, huh? I know. Well, and so he chases her around for a while, whatever. And then she goes out, like, onto a fire escape and... When he comes out, she pushes him, and she's only on the second story, so I was thinking, oh, you know, big deal, she pushes him down, or, and he's going to land in the snow, big deal. But lucky for her, there's a iron fence with spikes, and he lands on that. Ah, this is the part that drives me crazy. Okay, so <laughs> Marty sees this happen, and reunites with her and she's like trying to explain to him what's going on but apparently he just thinks she's crazy and then he loses his goddamn mind like out of nowhere (laughs) nowhere all of a sudden he is just batshit crazy and like painting his face with engine grease and he does this whole monologue that i can only imagine was improvised because it doesn't make any sense yes and it's long and it's just to establish that he has lost it and he's got a hold of her like they're face to face but he has a hold of her by the back of her hair and another reason that i think that this was improvised is she has no idea how to react to him 
She has nothing to do. No. So she just kind of stands there in shocked horror for a good two minutes, and he's violent, like he's thrashing her head up and down and around. And this poor actress, I'm like, good Lord. (laughs) Give her something like to do. I know. Yeah, this was so painful. This was so painful to watch this scene. (laughs) And it just ends up with him saying, I got to go get help. And she's like, no, don't. And then he just trots off into the wilderness and she chases without after his him. gloves without his ha- she chases after him for a little while but then he just pushes her down like three times in the snow <laughs> and just keeps walking off you know like, that's it <laughs> and the monologue is about how like his dad is so perfect and he wanted to impress his dad it doesn't make any sense and it's so stupid and it doesn't make any sense that he just snaps out of nowhere Mm -hmm. it's crazy and then out of nowhere suddenly the old man from the store is walking through the snow and he looks at the sign and he looks at the tracks and just Oh boy! Shakes his head Shakes like his all head. Those, those crazy kids. Kids goes up to the lodge, <laughs> and uh, as he's approaching the lodge, we see the woman <laughs> who's totally mugging. You know, opens the door, yeah. looks at him, gets a big evil grin on her face, and closes it. And I'm thinking, oh, is this the? This is our Scatman Carruthers scene, right? He's going to go in. And yeah, it's exactly what it was. He goes into the lodge. You know, it's a good five or eight minutes of this and uh as soon as he gets in there he goes into one room and she's around the corner with a knife and just stabs him in the chest and then that's it that's it for this guy yeah well it's it's that scene from the shining too with dick halloran like dick halloran knows something is going on and um he's gonna go up and be the hero and then as soon as he steps in the door jack nicholson (laughs) axes him in the chest and then that's it yeah i said (laughs) scatman carruthers i guess i maybe i have the wrong name (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. That sounded familiar to me, too, so I was yeah. just going with it. <laughs> Ugh, God, it's so Dude. silly. Uh, but Jenny goes back. Jenny goes back to the lodge because she remembers. She had seen earlier. She had, like, stumbled into a cleaning closet or something, and there was a shotgun in there, and she, she remembers that it's there. So she goes in. She gets the gun. She ends up meeting the old lady in the hall, and the old lady does this whole... Again, it's very much like The Shining when Jack is, yeah. you know, trying to cut, like he's got the, whatever it is, the axe or whatever it is behind his back. This woman has the knife behind her back, this foot long knife that she's carrying around. And um, she's like, you wouldn't kill me. That's something a crazy person would do. You don't want to be crazy like your mom. And Jenny's like, how do you know that? And she's like, I know a lot of things. You know who I am. I'm your mother. Come to mother. And it could have been compelling mm. if there was anything to back it up. Yeah. But why does this crazy old lady know that Ginny has a crazy mom? Why does she know that she would be moved by any of this? It doesn't make any well, sense. actually, to be fair, she does overhear her talking about this. Okay, in the hallway, she's she's on the other side of the door, like smiling and listening while um, Jenny is explaining to uh, Marty about how she doesn't yeah. want to be like her mom. So yeah, yeah. But you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just this all kind of comes on quick and fast and hard at the end. And uh, Jenny shoots her, uh, and then. Mm. Jenny spends a really, really long time going back into that main room in the lodge, getting a 
I guess, picking up the same tea she had before. So I don't know if she's going to be out again. Um, oh, she does go downstairs to the Wendigo. To the ice cellar. <laughs> yeah. Opens the door to pop in on our friend and basically assure him, don't worry, I'll look after you. Closed door. Yeah, lock. It, it's all right. Jenny will look after you now. What? <laughs> Meanwhile, like... Okay, well, and then she goes out and finds Marty frozen to death against a tree, looking like he's doing a Jack Torrance impersonation, yep. frozen against oh, a tree. God. And however, the actor is clearly breathing. Yes, like <laughs> hold your breath for one second, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and she talks to it because seriously, like the camera is on him for like a second, and he is clearly breathing. <laughs> anyway, um, and she says to him. You should have listened to Jenny. You should have been nicer to Jenny. I have to go now, but don't worry, Marty. I'll be back for you. And then she walks back into the lodge and she sits. And frankly, I'm thinking, you know, this sucked, but she gets to live in this huge, heated, well-stocked, apparently, (laughs) lodge in the mountains. Cool, whatever. And then she hears whispering and it sounds like the old woman and it's saying it's over isn't it you done fine you'll see jenny it'll be like it always was you'll see fades of black the end what What the hell (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea what's happening Uh, I, Uh. I, I, i wish i could I wish I could tell you. I mean, it is what it is, right? It, we we got to guess. We got to review it as it is. But the fact of the matter is, even the director was just making shit up after a while and uh, doing his best, saying, "Look, if the movie can't be what we intended it to be, which was this monster movie, at least we can make it something super creepy and atmospheric, and hope that that you know works." And so, like you said, there's a little bit of everything in here. There's a little bit of burnt offerings with the ending. You know, there's a lot of the shining in here. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, shades of Black Christmas and stuff, and uh, and yeah, that is what it is. The movie was written around this lodge. It's kind of a shame because it seems like uh, the director's friend uh, apparently is his parents or whatever owned this lodge, and it also was closed for the winter, so they were able to shoot there. And he said also when we were outside, all every time snow fell, that was real. All the snow outdoor scenes, we were super lucky that everything looked great when we went outside to film. I would totally go to that lodge. Like, <laughs> it was I would gorgeous. too, and, and I kind of wish I'd seen more of it. You know, I mean, it would have been kind of nice. Most of it's yeah. just rooms and hallways and that one, you know, lobby area and and, and the dead kitchen. It, it was very, I say it's gorgeous. It's not luxurious. It's very rustic, but it looks very isolated yeah. in the Canadian mountains. Like, ah, uh, it's beautiful. I, I would totally go there. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, that's what it is. And um, I think... You know, all things said and done, I think it was atmospheric until it, you know, your other brain kicks in and is like, yeah, but where is this going and why doesn't any of this make sense? I think it was well edited and God, more power to them to be able to pull something together that is semi-coherent and at least doesn't feel like a completely different movie halfway through, you know, that they did it. The the direct, uh, the... the, 
The, I know I'm trying hard, aren't I? The musician. I know that's so funny when 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 what you have the good things you have to say about it was. I mean, they made a movie. I guess what I'm trying to get to is that you know they still. I just wanted to remind everyone there were talented people at the helm behind this doing trying to salvage this, and this is sometimes what just has to happen in the industry. You know, like I said, the editor uh, of this movie, you know, was was did Porky's two. Uh, after this, did Porky's before it, and then went on to do A Christmas Story the same year that this movie came out. Oh. Yeah, then he edited Rhinestone, but, you know, at least we know what that movie I is. I liked Rhinestone. Popcorn? <laughs> we, yeah, I know you did. Pop, we've done Popcorn, we've done I liked popcorn. it. Popcorn, he edited that. Uh, you know, he's been successful, working guy, and then, again, oh, the uh, composer that we were talking about earlier, the, right after this, went to do Curtains. <laughs> oh now see and Remember that's that. what I would say technically it is not bad technically it's not bad it's fine it's serviceable we've definitely seen worse yeah even story wise we've seen we worse have. it's just not it fell apart like yes. it just fell apart and it's too bad. It maybe it could have been something. I don't know. I don't think it was ever going to be a masterpiece, but um, there were some interesting ideas there. It just didn't work, and I didn't like it, and I wouldn't recommend it. No. And I much rather would have watched a bunch of hot shirtless gay guys <laughs> running around getting killed. <laughs> that would have been way more up my alley. But whatever. That's what I get when I let you pick the movies. There weren't even any boobs. Like, no. Geez, I was super disappointed. I was, I was, I, I saw the blonde. I was like, all right, at least we're seeing the blonde girl's boobs. No. It, <laughs> nope. Nope. Linnea, where are you when we need you? <laughs> exactly. She would have been perfect in this role and she would have been much more compelling. That whole hooker story would have been much more compelling if Linnea Quigley had been telling it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they only mentioned New Year's like one time. Twice. Yes. <laughs> I counted. There were two so good, times. So good pick for our New Year's movie, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look at here. Here we are. Uh, we've we've put almost an hour into this, and uh, we we had to fill it out a little bit with some summer vacation stories. But yeah, and, uh, did you think we would get to this point? No, but as always, I did, you know, when we watch these types of movies, like, especially when you pick them, which is usually, (laughs) like, when I'm watching them, I'm like, you asshole, I hate you, but then when we talk about it, it, it's... I enjoy talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish it had been about shirtless guys. <laughs> it was fun to talk about. We had some good laughs. So yeah, uh, we did. I hope that uh, our listeners enjoy that and don't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, at least it wasn't another movie about some pandemic going on or, you know. Oh, thank shit. God. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Happy New Year to everybody. We're looking forward to bringing you more and more episodes as we go through this year, 2021. Uh, we wish you and everybody else a much better 2021 than your 2020 was. It's got to be better than 2020, and I am optimistic. Me too. Use your favorite podcast software or platform uh, to subscribe to our episodes. Also get to our YouTube channel. We're closely approaching 100 subscribers there. Woohoo! Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah!